Welcome to the Get Ignited podcast series hosted by Beth Chesterton. This Get Ignited conversation features Deanna Walker, a go-to Nashville songwriter, producer, and collaborator. Deanna is also a professor at Vanderbilt's Blair School of Music, where she teaches the wildly popular Blair Hit Songwriter Series. She also hosts a podcast by the same name, where she invites industry insiders to provide listeners with a behind-the-scenes view into Music City's songwriting world. We begin with Deanna describing how she collaborates with other musicians. Enjoy. You know, we'll spend maybe three or four hours writing a song and then we'll maybe spend two or three hours like recording vocals and trying to, that's a pretty long-term process sometimes, like trying to get all the vocals right. And, and it really, it's pretty cool because you have, we have so many great singers that we work with in Nashville and in LA and different places that these people can write a song and then do a brilliant rendition of it by the time their, their vocal is over. So we usually try to write and record in the same day. And, uh, and so that could be a day, you know, a day could be having people come over and just record vocals all day or, you know, have me try to get into a mix or something and, you know, try to, try to produce some sort of mix. I've been, I've been producing some, um, some things that are sort of film and TV oriented lately because the company I'm with right now has a pretty strong film and TV presence and I really want to be a part of that. So so I've been using more of my composition chops a little bit lately. So it could be any one of those things. It could be responding to a thousand emails. It could be cataloging songs for my publisher, which is like the least fun of all. But uh, but most of the time, it's just full of something to do with music all day. Okay, so what types of artists and clients do you serve? Or, you know, artists and musicians do you serve? Um well, right now I am co-producing three incredible artists and one of them just put her first EP out today. So if you're interested, please feel free to check her out. Her name is Megan Britt and, uh, and she is sort of a, she's a wonderful mix of sort of melodic and cool old school R&B. She's a little bit like sort of Daniel Caesar mixed with Kareem Bailey Ray, if you know those artists. And she just has a wonderful voice, wonderful sense of melody. And and it's the kind of music that I really love to write. So I've been co-producing her with this guy named Ian Barter in London, who uh, was Amy Winehouse's first musical director. And he's very geniusy. He's a super musical genius kind of guy. Can play tons of instruments, perfect pitch you know, can sing anything. Anyway, he's amazing. So we go back and forth. We send tracks and ideas back and forth between here and London a lot. So we, we together produce this girl, Megan, who has her first EP out. We've also been producing an incredible artist named Stella Amore, who just had her first single out with us. And, um, and, but we're working up to what we think are her, like some really great and big songs for her. And she's one of the best live performers I've ever seen. And then, um, and then we're working with an, another incredible songwriter and artist named Stacy Stone. She hasn't put any songs out yet. We have all of her, we have all of her recordings ready. We're waiting to make a video. So that's another thing I spent a lot of time doing is talking about well, what kind of video could we make? What kind of social media could we create? What kind of content could we come up with to, you know, help get your information out there? You know, just all of that kind of thing. It's a, it's a lot just to try to have any kind of strategy to put one song out and hope that maybe somebody will find it and listen to it, you know? I think it's also important to note that your husband works with you. What is his name? 
His name is Rick Beresford. He is a great singer, songwriter, artist, producer, and he's out, he's been co-producing these girls with us too. So it's been a great team project. Okay, so t I want everybody also to know, just please chat in any questions you have. Okay, because I know we have people who are involved in different levels in music and who probably have some really great questions or people who are just the subject of songwriting. Can you tell us a little bit about, oh wait, Frederica wrote, who is we? Frederica uh, is, um, tell, do you understand that question, uh, Deanna, who is we? We. Um, so I, maybe in terms of the production team, is that what you're meaning? So that would be me and my husband. Rick. Your husband and you are who is actually part of your group, I suppose. So me, my husband, and this guy, Ian Barter from London, have together been producing these artists. And so we've spent a lot of time working with them and developing them. But then I also work with lots of different other producers on different you know, with diff different artists or different songs to try to come up with and pitch, you know, just depending on what it is. Like I have a guy I work with a lot to try to get film and TV placements, you know, and I just have different friends o over time that I've worked with, you know, some, some of them over many years where we have like maybe 50 or 60 songs together. We just keep coming back to each other and creating some, you just find all different kinds of teams, you know, and pockets of people that you work well with it's it's a super collaborative sport you know songwriting is it's like you really you have to find people that you work well with in different areas and it's really most mostly just crazy fun okay so let's and, just uh, talk for a second oh sorry oh go on Deanna thinking about songwriting and I think can you help us understand like some people that you work with are writing songs. I mean, are you always working with your artists to help them write their songs, or are you sometimes working with art songwriters to help them write songs that they can shop to artists? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, both of those. So I'm working with, um, you know, when I'm working with artists, we're usually trying to write a song that they can use for their artist project, but we're also trying to keep in mind something that, like, well, if you can't use it, who are there other artists that we can pitch it to, or could, is it something we could try to pitch to film and TV, you know, it's nice to have more than one option on a song because we all, all songwriters and anybody on this chat right now knows that if you're a songwriter, you write zillions of songs. And so it's really helpful if you could have more than one potential outlet for it. Um, and then I'll a lot of times just write with other songwriters and producers to try to pitch songs to artists, you know, to try to get, to try to get a song placed, but that's a little well, it's quite a lot harder. Like if you're working with an artist that, you know, you have an easier avenue to get your songs out there than if you're trying to get somebody super famous to cut your song. Okay, so now that we've got sort of the what it looks like, your job, I mean, you're the big picture of your work. Let's talk about inspiration um, because I feel like when I experienced you, and one of the things Sandy told me a lot about, and by the way, Deanna has a great podcast. Tell what your podcast is and where they can find it, Deanna. It's called the Blair Hit Songwriter Series. And I can pop this link right into this chat right now. Cool. Um, and there's so many great conversations in there with super brilliant, inspiring people, like in all different facets of the music industry. And I think that even if you're not in the music industry or interested in being in it, 
I think some of those conversations are so inspiring. Like the one I mentioned to you with Claude Kelly and Chuck Harmony, like, you know, that there, there are a lot of those conversations that are a lot bigger than just the music business and are more about, you know, tapping into your depth and finding ways to go on when you're discouraged. <laughs> You know, finding ways to go on when you've experienced rejection, finding ways to find joy in the process and keep your creativity alive. You know, there are some, like I said, there are some, some of those conversations are definitely bigger than just music. Okay, well, we have a great question here um, from Kevin, who's in San Francisco. Knowing all songwriting approaches are different, do you have a tried and true approach or is it different every time? That is such a great question. I would say it's different every time. Um, if I'm gonna, we, I, I talked to um, Beth and Sandy about how I recently wrote a song by myself, which was something I, it was the first time I'd done that in a really long time because normally our, what we do is so collaborative. So if I'm gonna, and I've been doing more of this lately, if I'm gonna write a song by myself, I really have to have an emotional reason to write something. Like I have to have something I really personally feel moved about and really want to say and um and so then i'll so i'll start from emo an emotional place and i usually like today i spent a little time just doing some journaling so i could really try to just talk about how i felt so i could see if i would land on something that i felt was interesting enough to turn into a song you know i have a lot of feelings right now as i feel like everybody else does and and, uh, and some of the things that I'm struggling with that I know everybody else is struggling with is just the vast level of suffering going on in the world and, and, uh, and how you wish you could just help everyone, but you can't, and it's so hard. So, so I did some journaling, and then I did come up with a few things that I thought this could be a, these could be seeds for a song. So while I was doing that journaling, I would start to sing some of the lines that I was writing and see how they felt. You know, and once I got a few kind of feeling like they were singing in the same direction, then I went over and started playing the piano. And then as I'm playing the piano, I'm singing melodies. I'm singing the words I have and sort of filling in little spaces with just melodies that don't have words and trying to capture the emotion of how I'm feeling right now. So I just, it's very like, there's a little bit over here and a little bit over here, and then it starts to come together. And then you add another element and, and, uh, I think uh, one of the things that I came that I encountered today that I talked to my students a lot about is while I was going through this process, and then I'll get back to answering the question about other um, other ways to start. But what I encountered today was as I'm trying to express my feelings, I'm thinking to myself, "Would anybody like this? Is this something anybody else would care about hearing?" And I, I had, you know, or is this any good? Or is this dumb? Or is this cheesy? Because some of these feelings that we're all having are so, you know, they're so in a certain way. How, you know, it's not necessarily easy without being trite to say, "I really love you, and I wish I could help you, and I don't even know you," you know. Um, and so I, I would start to criticize what I was doing, which is what I talked to my students a lot about. And I would just have to tell myself, no, this is not, you don't have to think about who, who would hear this. That's not the point right now. You know, the point right now is for me to say how I feel in a way that is true to me, in a way that makes it, makes me feel like I just told the truth to myself and 
And once I've done that and I really feel convinced that this is the way that I would want to say something, then if I choose to, I can go think about how somebody else might receive it, you know, and some ways that I might adjust it so that it's maybe a little bigger picture that could potentially reach other people. But I can't think about that too soon. It's really dangerous in creativity to get into your editor too soon. Really dangerous. And if any of you or just looking for on whatever level you're being creative, like if it's gardening or just whatever it is, like if you're looking for some inspiration, in my experience, the death of that inspiration is editing and criticizing. And like Sandy and Beth and I were talking the other day, like your creativity is not going to come up to take a beating. So you really have to clear out so much space around it so that it's safe to express itself and don't stop the flow before it's had a chance to even get going. So, so every, I'm certain everyone's already in love with you. I'm positive, but, but, but one of the things that you're talking about is what you create for your artists, Mm -hmm. a safe place where they can come and become most expressed, right? Yes. Talk a little bit about how you provide that truthful, creative space for this. And what what did it look like pre-COVID-19 and what does it look like today? Well, what it looked like pre-COVID-19 was, um, you know, a couple of people would come over we usually, my husband is, besides being a great songwriter and songwriting teacher and everything, is a phenomenal cook. So people would come over and we'd have cappuccinos and breakfast and just hang out for a while and have a really nice time. And one of the things that happens in songwriting is that you're having really active conversations. So it might seem like we're talking casually about whatever's going on, but everybody knows that what we're actually doing is listening for the spark of an idea that we could all get excited about. So we're talking, 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 and then some very often in the regular conversation, somebody will say something and we'll go, oh, that's cool. Oh, we should write about that. So a lot of times the idea comes from these community moments or somebody will, you know, we'll have a cup of coffee, we'll come in, we'll start writing. Um, Somebody will have a title or an idea and then we'll just vet it. We'll just brainstorm it. Well, we could do it like this. We could do it like this. Would you want it to be more like this? Like, what would it feel like if it was this thing? So we just sort of test it out in different ways and see what we think will work and kind of go off on that direction. If one of the things on the safe space thing that I try to do is, um, there's several things. It's really important to try not to ever say no to anybody. That whole um, yes and thing works, works really well. Yeah, that's really cool. And what about this? Oh, this, that's a great idea. Like, what if we also, you know, and just keep giving the idea that you're adding on to what the other person is saying, not stopping what the other person is saying. And I feel like I'm usually pretty good at that. But I was in a situation yesterday where I caught myself and I thought, I'm kind of stopping this guy right now. I need to stop stopping him, <laughs> you know. So normally we just try to keep the conversation flowing with a whole lot of yes and. And if it's a, 
if it's a sensitive emotional topic, I will take a lot of notes in conversation. I will ask a million questions. I heard somebody say that the best songwriters ask the best questions. And, um, and so I will take a ton of notes and just try to feel like I'm a reporter and I want to know everything. How did you feel about this? Well, what happened when that happened next? Like, and what were, what conclusions did you draw from that? And like, how has that affected your life going forward? And so I feel like I really understand where the other person's coming from because it's a whole other world. Like today I was trying to write something that just reflected how I'm feeling. But if your job is to be the support person for somebody else and help them reflect what they're feeling, you really have to get like, I feel like you have to get really deep into their emotional state and make them feel safe enough with you that they're willing to tell you all the deep shit, you know, and willing to like let all that stuff out. And I'm not, I'm usually pretty relentless at going at pushing it farther till I feel like somebody has really said what the hard thing is, you know? And then I just, I always try to remind my students that the hard thing is the thing that people really want to hear in your songs. Like they don't want to hear the surface stuff. Like they're, you know, they really want to hear the stuff that really matters because that'll make them feel like they're connected to it also. So that's a long answer. It's amazing, though. I just think it's amazing. I think your artists are so obviously lucky to have you to create that space for them. Um, and I already could feel that just being with you, as everybody is in this call, that everybody would want to be, you know, on that couch or on your patio, you know, thinking with you and, and, and being expressed. We have some artists on this call, too, who I'm certain can relate. Um, what's going on um, with perfectionism? What are you seeing? Like, how does perfectionism get in the way? Yes, I'm so glad you asked this question. We talked just a tad about this the other day because, you know, I teach songwriting at Vanderbilt, and Vanderbilt students are a lot like I used to be. And I think I'm so much better now. That is one of the great things about getting older. But Vanderbilt students are so tuned into getting the right answer. You know, they're, they're so used to doing everything right. They're so used to excelling and being at the top of their class and at the top of this. And there always is a right answer for everything. And if they feel like they don't get something right away, they feel like something's personally wrong with them. You know, if they're not great at everything they try to do the first minute that they try to do it, then they criticize themselves mercilessly and uh, and feel like they should be perfect. And one of the things that I try to tell them is that if you started, and this goes for any skill I feel that you're trying to develop, if you started at a brand new instrument tomorrow, how long would it be before you were so fluent in that instrument that the thoughts the music that came in your head could come out of your fingers seamlessly you know that would be years and years and years of practice and everybody seems to understand that and, but they can't imagine that they just can't write a song that's as good as their heroes the first time they try you know and it's like no that and, and I think that's one of the hard things about songwriting too is because we've all grown up revering songs and revering artists and songwriters. I mean, there are songs that have changed all of our lives and have like framed our life experiences. And so everybody has a that taste gap. They want to be up here, but they're not there because they haven't practiced it yet. So perfectionism starts 
that like people start to get their ideas out. And most of the time, the first idea is not going to be the greatest idea. That's not to say it can't be because it definitely can be. But most of the time, the first thing that comes out of you is just is just the early idea that's working its way toward that brilliant thing that's way back here. Like here's the front of your mind. And like, this is the first thing that you come up with and you'll see it, you know, people will see that and go, well, that's not any good. That sucks. I hate that. Like, why would I say that? And like, this brilliance is literally right back here. And if you get that flow going and you go ahead and release all this stuff, you know, all the stuff at the front of your mind, like this thing in the back has a chance to come forward. But if you cut it off at the knees, you'll that thing will still live back there. You'll never get to your great ideas. And so I'm always trying to talk to them about giving themselves time where they can create without an ounce of criticism. No criticism allowed. Like you have to tell your editor that the editor has, to, I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to write So I'm going to be working from two to four. You can't say anything. And I mean nothing. And if the editor comes in, you say, no, no, two to four. At four o'clock, you can tell me I suck, but you cannot do it right now. And then we all have to remember that content become content all creation and content comes before editing. If, they, if you don't have any content, you have nothing to edit. So the creation is obviously by far the most important thing. So we have to honor that first and not try to shape it too quickly and not try to perfect it too quickly. Vomit all your ideas out and then set up, let, then let your editor go to town. But your editor has to learn to be nice, you know. Okay. There are two things I'm thinking, and I know everybody's thinking a lot of things, and so we're going to pause and give everybody a chance to talk in just a minute. But I'm thinking you mentioned that two things. Creativity is a wiggly process, and I'd like yeah. you to talk about that. But I also want to remind everyone listening that your training is truly classical. Yeah. So sort of like when we all learned, oh, my God, Van, yeah, Van Gogh is a classically trained artist. So you're very comfortable in this, what you, you know, liminal space, ambiguous space, and yet you're classically trained. But can you talk about the wiggly process and then your classical training and how it informed you today? Yes, that is such a good question. I love that question because in some ways, in some ways, like the classical training has monstrous benefits to it, to it. And this is why I wish children, all kids could like grow up learning to play an instrument because not only is it great for your development of your brain, but it's also, like we were saying the other day, it's also amazing for your developing discipline and the understanding that great things come from small goals. You know, like you're going to work on this, you're going to perform this recital next year and you're going to start it today. And in a year, you're going to have 60 minutes worth of music, hopefully essentially mastered, but it's going to take tiny, tiny little adjustments every day to get there. So it's a super disciplined process. And in a lot of ways, it's extremely perfection oriented. Like your, your goal is to get to that performance and play it without a single mistake. And that is very hard on people. You know, it's very hard performing so hard. And, and it's really hard to, it's really hard not to carry that kind of perfectionism into other areas of your life and to think you just have this goal and you've really got to, you have a task and you really have to achieve it and you're going to get to that, you know, it, the discipline is great. The patience is great. 
the perfectionism is not necessarily great. Um, so on the creative side, it's like you have to allow for so much imperfection to let greatness move through you. You know, you really have to go, you really have to just open yourself up to, to anything that you would call messy and ugly and, you know, laden with, you know, what you yourself might call mistakes. And you have to just be okay with that because if you're not okay with that, you'll never be able to be creative. Creative is, you know, when I said wiggly, it's like creativity one day feels like this. It feels like you can access it and do really well like this one day. And on another day, like that thing you did yesterday doesn't work at all, you know, or you don't feel the same way or you can't access the thing that worked so well two weeks ago. It morphed into something else, and then you have to find a way to tap into that new vein. You know, it keeps moving around, and as it moves around, you just have to be willing to follow it and not get stuck in a mode of how you do things. Like, that definitely is another way to sort of limit your creative flow. You can't get stuck in, like, this is the way I do it. Because it'll just, you know, it'll just continue to elude you if you don't try to, like, move wherever it wants to move. Okay. okay. Very, That's very cool. Yeah, it's awesome. So the Ignite Method, for those of you who um, haven't been talking and haven't been listening to me talk about the Ignite Method, um, is all about really helping people discover their genius. And a lot of times we're talking about unconscious competence that comes so naturally to you that you don't even know it matters. Well, even if somebody said to you, this is amazing about you, you probably would disregard it. And the Ignite Method is about helping people see that and experience more inspiration, greater joy, et cetera. So right now, I guarantee you, no matter what Deanna knows about herself, she doesn't see herself fully. So I'd love to hear from people or chat it. What are you admiring or noticing about Deanna right now that's sort of coming at you as either a whisper or a billboard or anything in between? Any comments? You can unmute yourself if you have a comment or you can chat it. I love that Black Swan is a horror story about perfection. That is awesome. <laughs> Truly, it really is. And it's, it's come, it comes from that kind of life just taken too seriously. And so Marion, Chester, oh, there's Ann Heisler. Let's hear okay. from you, Ann. Well, I just kept um, hearing when you were talking just this, it's this, like that perfection limit, you know, and I, I, I struggle with it. I teach yoga and just when, you know, you're, it's a creative process, but it's like when I'm not being authentic and like, then I can never get in the zone and everything I'm doing doesn't, nobody can respond to it because that process of creativity and like being imperfect and being okay with that, I think it's what people identify with. It gives them permission to like, yes. you know, just like sink in. And yes. when I hear you talking, I just, that's what I hear. It's like, you know, you know, sometimes I think, well, is it your music or is it the lyric? But for me, it's always, it's usually the lyric that like makes me feel like so, I identify with it and then I like your it gives you permission just to like let go and be in that music and you know all of my favorite songs and all of my favorite 
things, creative things are when I'm allowed to let go of that perfection, really. And Mm -hmm. that's when I was hearing you talk, I was just like, oh, it's just such a relief. I love hearing people who can, you know, make me, I just, it's, for me, it's a relief, like hearing it. And I love music and creative things because that's where I can allow myself to go. So thank you for sharing today. Oh my gosh. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> I'm going to mute again. because God knows what's going to happen. Anne is, is a friend of mine, a long term childhood friend. And she's a, she's, she has yoga and she also has a part of her that's very, wildly perfect you know she has both sides right so you can relate to that but, but so terrific um thank you ann marion chesterton what are you thinking who else wants to comment dana is saying your lessons as an artist would be mind-blowing for executives what a cool idea dana coaches some top level executives that's a great idea well can i say something right now yes that has been a goal of mine for a long time so Maybe Dana and I could connect because I love it's a, I, this is something I've consciously said out loud is that I'd like to be able to take some of these creative things into corporate situations. So anyway, it's really cool that you said that. That's very affirming to me because it's something that I've told myself that I want to do. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, okay. So, yes. So one thing I was thinking, I had the privilege to go to one of your classes with Sandy, um, like last year. And I think it's one thing for someone to have so much wisdom and to be so creative and to be so talented. But I think it's another to be able to teach your wisdom and to turn your wisdom into lessons for people. So I really admire that. Yeah. Um, I just want to say you made me have tears in my eyes. So thank you. Hey, Beth, awesome. I, I have one. All right, Tom Ruich. Thank you, Mary, and Tom Ruich. Uh, I put this in the in the notes before, but I'll say it out loud now. When you were describing the creative process, you used an expression that just exploded on me. Uh, you you said, uh, "Once we know, we're singing in the same direction." <laughs> and I yeah. I just thought, man, that that is a phrase that just plays way beyond songwriting. You know, we kind of go through life um, and and singing in the same direction, we kind of take for granted or pretend that that's what's going on, but it's rare. You know, it, it's, it's up the peak to get to the point where you're singing in the same direction with people. And I so love that you caught that because I don't know that I would have ever thought to say it again. And I, that, I love that too. I'm so glad you, I, I, I really do. I love that. Cause now that I think about it, like what Tom just said is that we could actually apply that to um, all kinds of different situations where we really need some harmony. Yeah. So many of those, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of noise, not a lot of harmony. Yes. For sure. Yeah, also Tom's a gifted storyteller and and he's got a gift with words. And so it's not surprising to me, Tom, that you helped highlight something so important that is a concept that I've never thought of in my life. So it's just so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, Deanna, that speaks to a story. And I know we're going to hear more from people, but you talked about how you accidentally discovered you were a storyteller. Because I think what Tom's talking about is a wisdom, right? You have this wisdom. 
and what, and what Mary mentioned in this wisdom, right? Mm. So when did you discover that in addition to being a classical, classically trained composer and musician that you had a gift for teasing out the nugget or seeing something that people couldn't see? Well, it was one of those things and uh, where something happened in my life that was really making me so sad. And, uh, and I feel like this is a good lesson too because I could have not paid attention to this as I have done so many times. Um, but I was my goddaughter at the time. My best friend was getting divorced and my goddaughter was two and a half. And I was just deeply just in love with this child and really connected to her and like walking through this divorce with my best friend. And it was a really, really sad time. And, uh, and so this little girl, Lauren, uh, I was, I was visiting them. They lived in another state and I was visiting them. And that morning she woke up and she said, I had this dream last night. And she's just two and a half, like just a little girl. She said, I had this dream last night. She said, um, I was on a boat in the water and mama didn't come get me and daddy didn't come get me. And I was like, ugh, I was so devastated by that. And so I went home, when I got home from that trip, I, I got in bed that night and this song just started writing it myself in my head, just words and music. And I just never anticipated that. And, uh, and so I got out of bed and there are so many times I have not gotten out of bed, you know what I mean? For some inspiration, so many times. And I got out of bed and I stayed up all night, cried all night, wrote that song. And then I started playing it for people and everybody I played it for cried. And I was like, that's pretty cool. Because <laughs> this made me feel something and this made them feel something. And I really love this. And I just started writing songs. Like then I can start, stop writing songs. And, uh, and so, and I didn't live in Nashville. I lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where I was teaching piano and writing classical music. And, and I started coming to Nashville. And then I learned how high the bar is for truly great songwriting, you know? And I think for my, for my starter songs, they were pretty good songs. But when you come to Nashville, it's like, here are all these masters, and they are way, way, way up here, you know? And then you start to understand what it means to really, to really try to put your ideas together effectively in an extremely compact form. Oh, I can't hear you. Okay, so Kate Flather is on the call. Um, she's an artist in Venice. Uh, California, and she said, Slop, she wonders if you have a few songs you're most proud of, and if so, what about them makes you feel that way? Um, that's such a good question. Well, one of the songs that I'm most proud of is one that I sent you, which is called Fentanyl Fight. Mm -hmm. um, so that one song hasn't been released yet, but it's with the artist Stella Moore that I mentioned, but um, that song is about... Um, about a really good friend of hers that overdosed on fentanyl. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I just love that song. And I'm just so proud of how we put it together because it really says what all of us wanted to say to honor like the loss of her friend. And, um, 
and just, you know, musically and lyrically, it just told the story that we all wanted to tell. And I think when we walked away from it, we felt like we had done the best we could for this person that didn't make it, you know. And uh, so that I'm super proud of that song. I can imagine. That's really. And we can share that with everybody. If anybody yeah. wants to share your email, um, we can yeah. send that to you. Um, or if you want to connect in any way, just put it in the chat and we'll make sure you get all the links. Yes. Um, so Kevin so I said, promise not to share it with anybody else till it comes out. <laughs> oh, yeah. You tell us what you want to share and not share. Yeah. Okay. I'll, send it, I'll send it to anybody who wants it. If they'll promise not to share it, you know, well, that's or we can listen to it together. Well, yeah, we could do that. You could put play a little bit of it if you want to on this call or we could do it later. Um, you decide, let me, Oh, Craig Wise says, yes, he promises he will keep it quiet. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Okay. Anybody else want to say something about Deanna right now that you're admiring, um, enjoying, noticing about her that's really cool, Wise? Really? It's Sandy. How are you? Hi, Sandy. It's so good to see you. Well, you, you always have such a keen ability to uh, experience people. What are you noticing? You know what, Deanna, I think you are absolutely wonderful. I love what you said about the expectations when people write a song, things of that sort, that they think they have to get things perfect. And it's interesting because I agree with that. Once you let go of that control, you're, when you create, I mean, it just starts flowing. Mm -hmm. it is, once we get out of our own way. So that really resonated well with me. Mm. Let go of the control. I think what you just said is really the answer it's so hard to do, but it is, it really is essential. I think, you know, the whole idea that you think you can control this wiggly process is really, um, is really a, a hilarious um, misunderstanding. <laughs> you know, because it's like, it's like, you know, it's, and I've been through this a million times too. You think it's going to go a certain way. You want it to be a certain way. You want this process with these other people. Like, especially if you're creating with other people, you think, well, you'd like for it to go this way, but then it's like, no, it is not going this way. It's going way over there, especially when you're collaborating. Like it's going like you're thinking, I think it's over here and it's like 500 miles the other direction. And you have to like get on board and go with everybody or, or somehow that's when you would actually really lose control of the process is if you didn't give up control to start with. It's such a paradox. You know, if you give up control to start with, you can stay on the ride. But if you keep trying to control it, you'll lose the control. It's weird. No, no, I, I agree with you. And I will give, she's going to kill me, but I'm going to give Beth Chesterton because I was, she definitely taught me you know, you don't have to be in control all the time. And I will tell you, I have never been more creative. So when you just said that, it's when you're not afraid to fail anymore and say, listen, I don't have to have it perfect. I'm just going to try. Yes. <laughs> yes. And another thing, too, to just throw out there on the being afraid to fail thing. Like, I don't know how many of you are doing collaborative work, like on any level in any kind of field or whatever, you really have to collaborate in front of people. But the being afraid to fail in front of other people is even harder than being afraid to fail in front of yourself, you know? And, uh, and so I think definitely, I mean, the, you had definitely have to let go of the idea that you can control the outcome or how anybody perceives you 
in your in these situations and you have to be willing to look totally foolish you know you have to be willing to say something that somebody might really think is stupid <laughs> you know and may even judge you for in order to get to because back to the thing i said before like the brilliance might be right back here you really still you'd have to say some of the things out loud even to somebody else that might not look as that might not serve your ego as well as you'd like for it to in the name of trying to get to something great as a team you know well so you're speaking uh craig wise who's also in nashville right now and who's a musician as also is um saying that your willingness to be vulnerable and honest seems to tap the soul's true energy maybe for all of us because holding front stifles and exhausts us yes it does and now i'm gonna cry again <laughs> wise words pray Thank you, um something i want to say is that um something i've really appreciated during the past like 40 minutes or whatever um, it's be one thing for you to share your story, but I feel like in doing so sort of by transit, you're like inspiring others to, um, tap into a part of themselves that I feel like they might not know they have or something that hurts them. And, um, I've never written a song. I mean, I like to write other stuff, but I'm not too musical, but you're really making songwriting and your whole approach seem like such a microcosm for like the ideal way we should live. So I really appreciate that. Wow, that was a really beautifully thought out statement. That was gorgeous. Thank yeah, you so much for saying that. I mean, that was like unbelievably uh, clear. That was incredible. Yeah, clarity. I don't know. I've never written a song, but yeah. maybe I will tonight. Well, you're tremendous with words. I mean, <laughs> wow. I did chorus in middle school and that didn't go too well. So, mm. well, can I say something about that really quick? Um, if you didn't feel like you could sing in middle school, I just urge you to sing now. I just urge you to, you know, like whether you can sing or not, like this is, I was definitely told that I couldn't sing and that caused me not to open my mouth for years. Like, and I just expressed myself musically through um, the piano, but I was told as a kid, I couldn't sing. But so many people are told that as children because you literally, your vocal mechanism is muscular. And like, it really, it really, for so many people doesn't come together in a way that can work as well as you'd like for it to until they're older. And it's really sad that so many people were told that they couldn't sing at an age where it really made a monstrous impact. And I do mean monstrous, you know? So I would totally give yourself a chance to sing. It took me years to unlock my voice. You know, it took me years to get the tension out of my throat that was there because I was so afraid to sing, you know? But it turned out I could express myself musically just through my voice just perfectly well. I'm not a great singer, but I can express myself musically in a way that is perfectly okay to me, you know? So, so however chorus went, if you need to do some, uh, you know, post-traumatic stress therapy on that, <laughs> I urge um, you to do it. One of the, uh, Missy is in Alexandria, Virginia. She's one of the seniors on the call who's not having a graduation right now, but she's been coming oh. to all the method calls. She's, and she's oh. a gifted observer of life. And um, Tom Ruich said about you, Missy, uh, I've never written a song, quote, unquote. And he said, you just did. Yes, so, that's right. 
and we're recording, so you can capture it. Um, what do you, you do teach so many people who are developing, and I'm sure a lot of people might want to write a song after this, and we have some people who have written songs and some artists on the call, but what's your advice to, uh, you've given us so much advice, but in terms of process, where do you, where do you begin? Um, so one of the things that I do uh, is I, with my early students, is I get them working their way through some creative writing exercises that aren't musical, that just involve digging into their life experiences. So one of the things I think people a lot of times just don't know is how incredibly rich and valuable their own life experiences. Like you are, everybody is carrying around just a giant library of the most amazing experiences that are completely worthy of being shared and uh, and so I do creative writing exercises to get into those and to really tap into descriptive elements around those and we do some free association writing so that we can get like a little more uh, connected to our subconscious and then we do some improvisation I mean there are a lot of things that I do with people that now that I'm having this conversation, that I do with my classes, my college classes, that now that I'm having this conversation, I'm thinking maybe if people were interested, maybe I could figure out a way to do that, you know, outside of the college situation um, in a group or something. But it's incredible. Yeah, yeah that may, maybe that's a thing. And, uh, and you know, especially, if, especially when people are really excited and really want to learn, you know. Um, so that might be worthwhile. So we do like, then we'll do, we'll do a lot of that free writing, a lot of that creative writing, just get stuff out before we ever even start writing a song. And those exercises are really useful for any kind of writing, not just songwriting. And, uh, and then we'll do some, we'll stand around an instrument like a piano or a guitar and we'll start to improvise melodies and imagine what this music what the music is saying because you know we've got over here like what our lyric is saying like what we want the words to say but then over here the music has its own agenda and the music is telegraphing really specific emotions so then we also want to tap into the emotions of the music and figure out what it's authentically trying to say because back to the question from a long time ago how do you start like sometimes you start with music and if you start with music i'm always asking myself like what does that music want to say like what is it are what stories are living in the music already like what is natural to what this sounds like emotionally you know but then if you're starting with a lyric or a title which happens too that's like a totally other way to start then you say well i've got this kind of title i think it could be about this or i've got this kind of concept i think it could be about this and then this kind of thing would require this other kind of emotional delivery from the music you know so you can start in any place you can start from a beat on youtube you know i really there are millions of beats like if you have a song that you love just go to YouTube and type in Post Malone, Better Days type beat or whatever it is. Like there are millions of, of essentially sort of karaoke tracks for, a better word, for lack of a better word out there where you can just start singing. You can just start like letting your voice run free. You don't even have to play an instrument. You know, you can just try things out and see what kind of things inspire you and ask yourself what that music is saying to you and go from there. You definitely, in these this day and age, you definitely do not have to be limited by the fact that you don't play an instrument. Okay, so Deanna, where do you who admire who do you admire right now, and where are you? Where do you get your inspiration? 
I admire so many people. That's such a great question. I mean, and it sort of depends, you know, musically. In terms of songwriting, I hope this doesn't annoy anybody, but I really admire Taylor Swift. Like, I admire her so much. She is such a great writer. She's able to really do the thing that's a really difficult thing to do, which is capture the emotion and tell the story at the same time in a way that is delivered emotionally accurately through the music. It's just, it's, and then the fact that she knows how to do that in a way that like literally millions and millions and millions of people can latch on to what she's doing. Like that's a really special kind of genius. So I really admire her a lot. I really admire Ryan Tedder. Um, I, he's, you know, the, he's the lead singer from One Republic, but he's a writer and an artist and a producer. And I just think, I just think he's found a way to maximize all his gifts. You know, one of the things that drives me crazy is, and maybe people would disagree with me on this, but people will say, well, just focus on the thing you're best at. You'll hear that a lot in music. Well, focus on the thing you're best at and just be great at that. And don't worry about all these other things. I really personally hate that idea. I think, I think there isn't any reason at all. Music is a lifetime process. Creativity is a lifetime process. There really isn't any reason not to try to continue to grow in all the areas that excite you, you know? And then it doesn't mean you shouldn't try to like be the very best you can at any one at any given time. But if creativity is wiggly, one day you might feel more excited about playing the piano. Another day you might feel more excited about developing your lyrical skills. You just put it all together and keep growing. That's my opinion. Um, I love this artist, Daniel Caesar, is one of my also favorites right now. And uh, because I just love the songs that he's writing. And um, there's a guy out there named Jacob Collier who just is doing really experimental and interesting musical things that people used to do before songs were only four chords. You know, so he's really doing super interesting and exciting musical things. And it's refreshing to me to see um, somebody go back to do, doing something musically challenging. Okay, awesome. Now, one more question for you. Uh, Kate Flather asks here, curious if you're typically present at the sessions where when an artist is recording one of your songs or whether it's written specifically for them or that you've pitched. Um, if most of the time... The songs that I'm recording are with artists that I'm working with and I'm usually there and I want to be there. So <clears throat> something I've learned is that uh, the recording process is the next step in creativity. So you think the song is done, but until somebody starts recording it, you don't necessarily really get the full picture. And once a full picture starts to come into play, then you think, oh, okay, that sounds super cool there. That should actually be here and here and here. And if you weren't part of the recording process, you wouldn't know that. Or you think, ah, oh, well, that part isn't as great as I thought it would be right there. Like, maybe that's not working. And you wouldn't know that if you weren't just listening to the artist put it down. You know, you think, mm, maybe we could do something. Maybe we could do something better there. Or this section's too long or that section's too short. And so, you know, it really becomes the next level of writing the song is, is actually recording it. Okay, fantastic. So here's what I want to do, guys, since we're nearing the end of our session. 
We will be connecting you. Put your email in here if you want me to follow up regarding Deanna. Um, And we'll be connecting. I'm on uh, Instagram at The Ignite Method, on Facebook at The Ignite Method. Deanna, will you mention your handles so that we can find you? Yes. Um, On Instagram, I'm Deanna. Let me write this on Deanna Lynn Walker. And on Facebook, I don't know what I am. Maybe. I'll send it to everybody, Deanna. Don't okay. worry. You've got your hands. But, but I want to hand this over to Sandy right now since she is the one who, who knows you and who made this happen. And I want to thank you personally, but we'll talk offline, and thank everyone for coming on today. Fridays at 5 p.m. Central Time. Join us for Get Ignited Conversations. I know we're going to have Deanna back, but I can't imagine – anything better than this hour. Thank you, Deanna, for your time. Thank you so much for having me. What a joy to be with all of you. But before you hang up, everybody, Sandy Chesterton, you get the last word. And thanks, everybody, for staying, making this a great uh, kickoff to the weekend. Sandy? Thank you. Um, I just want to say, I'm sure all of you can probably see this by now, but um, Deanna is, was the most amazing professor I had in college by far. And we're lucky to have been able to have her for two semesters and to get two great classes with her. And she's just the most supportive, interesting, dynamic person. And so I don't, uh-huh. she has a class, the Blair Hit Songwriter Series, that it looks like you can take it online. You can. You absolutely can. That, and she brings in amazing people. But if you get the chance to be in a class with Deanna, she makes the most amazing creative space where you can feel so able to be vulnerable and able to be really present and to learn and to grow. So she's just the most amazing teacher. Oh, you are the sweetest. Thank you so much for saying that. Oh, I mean, you were such a glorious student, just one of the best. You know, I mean, it really works when people bring their truth to the classroom too, right? Like not everybody is willing to get honest. Not everybody's able to get honest or go deep, but you were so willing and able to do that. And I was so constantly proud of you. I mean, we did it. We, I feel like you definitely created the space to be able to get honest. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Thank and you. thank you so much for bringing up the Blair Hit Songwriter series because you guys, anybody who wants to can take that online when we get going again in the fall where we may all be online anyway. And guys, we're going to save this chat. So if you've got anything else you want to say to Deanna, I'll make sure she okay. gets any questions, any comments. And I just want to um, thank everybody for being here and for making this such a – Deanna, you made it a great hour, and everyone who joined this call, it really was a collective, um, really positive experience. And I appreciate all – everybody being here and Deanna for leading the way and um, really creating a new way to think about what's possible if we – aren't so darn hard on ourselves and give ourselves some space. Thank you for listening. You can join us for live Get Ignited conversations on Thursdays at 5 p.m. Central. You can also listen to additional Get Ignited podcasts on iTunes. You can follow the Ignite Method on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Sign up for emails at ignitemethodcoach.com.